Hello everyone, this is Podbot, here to explain an error the best bits bollocks has failed to realize when recording this commentary, due to a difference in runtime between DVDs and formats like Blu-ray and streaming, this audio commentary is running 4 minutes fast, it also meant the two silly fuckers were out of sync until they realized, I have cleaned it up as best I can, but this one is not worth syncing up with the film unless you were watching on DVD, on behalf of the bollockses, I apologize, but I hope you enjoy the chat all the same, hope you're having a good summer and riding all around you, now go on, I'll let you go, talk to you later, tell your dad I was asking for him, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Hello, and welcome to All the Best Bits. Another audio commentary um, from myself, Kevin, and Will. Hello. <laughs> That's all you're getting. And me. this uh, audio commentary is from the very first uh, episode, and it's the very first film that we took a best bits from. Uh, it's from the pilot episode, which was Best Screenwriter Scene, and I chose William Goldman's The Princess Bride. So today, we're going to be doing an audio commentary on... Princess Bride. Yeah, and actually, it's funny that you mentioned that you said, "Oh, that was from the pilot episode." Because so this that was from our test run. Oh, sure, we'll give it a go, and if it's shite, then no one will listen to it. But I remember uh, when you <laughs> said that your pick was the Princess Bride. I kind of in my the pit of my stomach went, "Ah, oh, we're going to be grand," because it was such a good pick. It was such a. I went. I was. I just felt. Oh yeah, we're we're on the same page with this, and it was a great pick. <laughs> So, view you don't have to watch along while we're while we're doing this audio commentary. But if you want to watch along the Princess Bride with us, what we're doing is we're Kevin and myself are syncing up at the first title card, which is Act Three Communications Presents. So if you can mm. get your DVD or Blu-ray or whatever you have, you can pause us and kind of like get it to that point and hit pause. And we've hit pause right here, and um, so you can pause us now if you want, and. Pause. Pause. We'll wait. We're waiting. Hurry up. Oh, so you've got it synced up. Unpaused. Great. Okay. So we're synced up too. Here we go. So, Kevin, are you ready to hit play at the same time as me? I'll say, I'll count us all in. Are you ready to go? I was born ready to go. I just knew you were, I just knew you were born ready to go. <laughs> so, everyone, on three, two, one, play. So, Act 3 Communications goes away. The Princess Bride. A pretty fantastic font and title card, I have to say. Iconic. And we actually use one of the letters on our logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which one? The B. Oh, yes, that's right. I was so envious of Kevin Arnold right here, because this just looked like the classest. Look at his bedroom. Nostalgia. There's a nostalgia hit right here. Do you know what? Just recently, when I watched this film again for the uh, first episode mm-hmm. I only realised on that watch that this is set at Christmas it is yeah so um, see the Christmas decoration but also behind them there he's got a Halloween uh, mask so oh do you want to know something about the Halloween mask go on that was when I just saw it right there I had that Halloween mask one Halloween as a kid you know I had that exact one and it's when I saw it just there it was like this nostalgia hit and I just went oh Jesus yeah fucking hell these used to be like 10 pence or something 10 pence and they would it was potentially serrate your face because they would kind of shatter at the sides and stuff like that <laughs> oh man good old Peter Falk go. Peter Falk he's kind of perfect for this role isn't he 
He was. So he's come over to basically read a story to his grandson. Yeah. And as I said in that episode, the film is based on William Goldman's book that he wrote for his two daughters who wanted a story about princesses and brides. So he combined it. And then he did a sort of a Kurt Vonnegut type thing where he started to play with the whole form of a book itself. And he invented the notion that the book that he that we were reading um, was actually a book that he was read to by his granddad when he was a kid. And it was such a great book and there were no copies of it. So he was going to um, piece it together, transcribe it and give us an abridged version of it. So that sort of like um, playing with form where he's leaving out chapters because he thought they were boring or what have you, um, is how Kevin sort of plays with the, the narrative of this film, interrupting and saying, is this a kissing book and what have you? So uh, they sort of kept that um, subversive approach to telling a story. And I, I love that about it. It makes it quite modern. Yeah. it's So I didn't actually realize it until you told me in that episode. That's how they did and of course, Kevin's not the character's name. Kevin is the name of his character they played in The Wonder Years. Uh, it's Fred <laughs> Savage. Uh, but I don't think he actually has... I don't think he has... Because I was looking at the script today and I don't think he's given it... Uh, he's just called a, the kid a grandson or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and Peter Falk is just the granddad. But yeah. he, but he's he's essentially playing um, William Goldman. Hmm. Um, because this is meant to be based on S. Morgenstern's book the classic tale of uh, true love and high adventure, Princess Bride. And he wrote it, am I right in saying he wrote it in the 70s, William Goldman? He did, Early 70s. Yeah. And they tried for a long, long time to get it made. There was a, a lot of directors who were attached to it. Francis Truffaut was even attached at one wow. stage. Norman Jewison was another name I saw. Hmm. And he went off to do uh, Moonstruck, which... Ah, right. Okay. Which okay. I, I don't mind that because we got Moonstruck, which is a brilliant film. And we got yeah. The Princess Bride, which is great. I haven't seen that in a long time. So, Do you know, I always thought that Wesley was an American putting on an English accent. But Carrie Elways is actually English. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I, just thought, I thought his English accent was a bit fake. <laughs> so did I. Oh, my God. So anytime you cut away to to Kevin Arnold's, I know it's not Kevin Arnold's house, his bedroom. He's Kevin Arnold in our, for us. That's just the way it's going to be. Forever. Sorry, Fred. And he's talking to Columbo. <laughs> I just wish his mother was uh, a notable actor from some other 80s sitcom or TV series. You know, Jessica just, Fletcher. Jessica. <laughs> or someone from the Golden Girls. <laughs> they get right down to it though I mean the, I the, the whole prologue is essentially just telling you that these guys love each other and you just accept it yeah um, but he goes it, off isn't it so brilliant and she pines for him but it's so brilliant even reading the script I read the first few pages I read scanned through the script today and like it's so effective like he, the first line he says is as you wish and as you wish and that's that little tale about like every time he says as you wish he means I love you and it's really, it strikes a chord. It's just, again, that's brilliant writing by William Goldman. And uh, it works on the page. And it's e- he's an economic storyteller on the page as well, that's for sure. Because yeah, this is, oh, he's such a great, great writer. He's such a, a pleasure to read. This was 124 pages. 
Um, but, but that's a lot of world building in that script. But listen, no, I actually think it's 20, 124 pages. If you look at it, he uses cut twos. So every time there's a, a different camera shot, he says cut two. Padding the script. Colon. Yeah. So if you took out all his cut twos and every character, anytime we see a character, it's, um, or he's, he mentions a character, it's a new line. So if you took out all of that, it would be a 90 page script, I'd imagine. And now we get to meet our dastardly villain. Wait. Five years have passed and Prince Humperdinck is now betrothed to uh, Buttercup. Who in the book, she's quite different. Really? She's a bit dim. She's a bit dim in the book. Oh. Wesley has to literally spell out that he loves her. Oh. With actual uh, blocks. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in the book, actually, that they, they leave out, obviously, because the film is its own thing and you need to sort of go at the pace of a movie. But there's a whole section of um, Princess Buttercup learning how to carry off the, the role of being a princess. So she's she's in princess training. Oh, wow. And right here, they just go straight to it. She's she's capable and he's marrying her for her beauty. And she uh, believes, obviously, that, that Wesley is dead. He's been killed by the Dread Pirate Roberts. Which was actu- an actual real pirate back in the day. I think the, one of the most successful pirates that ever existed. The Dread Pirate Roberts. There's, so there's a few things in the, in the movie uh, that uh, give you an indication of what time period this is supposed to take place. Okay. Um, but they all sort of contradict each other. So it's hard to, it's hard to pin down, is this based on a specific... Uh, you know, is it the 15th century or is it the the 17th century? Mm. This is one of these films where you watch it and you think, because, you know, we saw as kids, I saw it on on video. I presume you did as well. Mm. But you just assume it was a successful film. And um, it wasn't. It it opened against Fatal Attraction and it was slaughtered by uh, Glenn Close and her... Bunny boiling ways. It made two hundred grand. It's opening weekend. Oh no! And did it like? Did it? So it didn't have a good initial run at the box office. No, it didn't become a hit until. Oh, well, it didn't become. It didn't build in esteem or or, or profitability until it, it was on video. Wow! But there's so many films like that. Mm-hmm. These are like three. The three. The perfect trio. The brawn, the, the 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 brave soldier, and then the brain. Each one are fantastic. Sean Wallace is it? Wall- is it hang on, no, is it Wallace Sean. Wallace Sean. Wallace Sean. He was constantly worried that he was going to be fired. Uh, that Danny DeVito was the main choice for this actor. <laughs> and when it comes to a scene later on, you can literally see him sweating, and that's because he was so nervous that he was screwing up, <laughs> that he was panicking. So, but it actually really plays into the mm. character, and I think his character is just so nervous and so wound up that um, that you kind of feel, you know, he's just he's just this wound up coil. He's, but he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because he's 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 playing a Sicilian, and he's obviously extremely uh, Jewish. <laughs> Did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in contention to play Andre the Giant's part, Fezzik? Wow. Wow, I assume this is back before he was Terminator and Conan. No, it was after that, but it was, um, uh, he was obviously a, too big of a star and not big enough of a man. I mean, uh, Schwarzenegger oh, wow. is like 6'2", and 
Andre the Giant is an actual giant. So I think they lucked out there. It's one of Schwarzenegger those... went off and did Predator. And, and we, we all looked out. We, it, us as an audience looked out there as well. <laughs> when I was... I listened to um, an interview with uh, William Goldman today. And he was... It's one of the few characters... He, when he wrote the character of Physic, he had Andre the Giant in mind because he used to go to Madison Square Garden and see him wrestling. And he thought, well, that's an actual giant. So when he was writing the character in the original book, he was thinking of Andre the Giant. And um, it's kind of perfect that he ended up being cast in it. Yeah. I love this. What I love about this, again, it's so, it's moving. This film doesn't slow down. We're with no, these guys. We're on their we're, we're on their trek. We're we're with them and their on their mission, which is like they have to capture the princess and on their heist. Away. Yeah, and now when we are in their shoes, there's someone pursuing them, and now we're kind of worried for them that they won't get away because there's someone pursuing them, and it's um and Mandy. It took me ages to to click that Mandy Patipkin, Man Mandy. Pronounce his surname for me. Yeah, he's but also the guy. Yeah, I, I got it wrong. The guy in in Homeland was the guy from uh, the Princess Bride. It blew my mind. Well, he was a big Broadway star. Yeah, he's a uh, he's one of those um, legends of Broadway. But he's great in this part. He's fantastic. This was you just you just uh, reminded me uh, you just raised the question there of like when did I first encounter this and I don't think I ever rented this video I think this is one of those films that was on TV around Christmas time that I taped in one of my religious kind of like Christmas I'm taping every goddamn film that's going to be on over Christmas kind of like missions and <laughs> this was just one of those tapes. Um, one of those first kind of tapes I kind of like started I started my own pirated video library under my bed right so I used to tape and tape everything uh, with the three hour tape so you'd get like one film on a tape but then so you'd have a little bit of a few spare maybe a spare hour at the end and that would be full on of long play on lo- well, well we didn't have long play this was pre-long play so um, but then you so- getting you're 60 years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> we had to hand crank the video recorder ourselves which yeah, so I had my little, I had my little like um, home video recorded version of this. So that was the version. I think I was always missing the first minute of it as well because I hit record too late. God, I used to hate that when you'd record songs off the radio and and uh, you'd always have the DJ Tony Fenton <laughs> interrupting the song. And you're like, shut up! I have to wait another hour now to try and record a clean version. <laughs> By the way, don't you just hate it when people start going off on random tangents while the film is on? <laughs> Total sides. Oh, look at the He-Man toy behind his shoulder. Yeah, I saw that in his battle cat as well. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Suck off. What did you have for dinner? This evening? Sides? <laughs> oh, we actually had a barbecue. Um, but this is our this is our shtick, Kevin. We, we are the king of sides, And that's why it's okay to listen to this without watching a movie. Definitely. Getting closer. He's no concern of ours. Sail on. I suppose you think you're brave, don't you? Only compared to some. Look, 
He's right on top of us. Wonder if he's using the same wind we are using. Whoever he is, he's too late. See? Now, this is the big question coming up. They're reaching the Cliffs of Insanity, right? So we're reaching the Cliffs of Insanity in the story. That other thing! Move it! We're safe. Only Fezzik is strong enough to go up our way. He'll have to sail around for hours till he finds a harbor. Did they shoot this? Did they shoot this in the Cliffs of Moor? Is this just... Am I wrong in saying this? No, they oh, definitely this shot right it here. there. But um, I don't think... Obviously, this is a guy who's just been winched up at, like, top speed. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's... It's the Cliffs of Moor, but I don't think that... It's it, It's not like um, Star Wars The Force Awakens, where they went to... Uh, to um, that island whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, Skellig Michael. Skellig Michael, there you go. Mm-hmm. Little model shots. It frustrated me no end uh, in the documentary that they mentioned, oh, we just shot the whole thing in England, so they have cliffs there and everything like that. And I went, yeah, you could have said that you actually shot the cliffs a bit in Ireland, please. <laughs> but that probably was second course, unit, I suppose. Uh, probably, yeah, you're true. That's true. Do you know his back was so fucked? That he couldn't carry any weight on it? Under the giant, that is? Oh, yeah, I think I did. Because I watched that um, documentary on him, Andre. And uh, poor man was absolutely destroyed for the kind of latter part of his life. <laughs> Do you remember when you used to have to climb up the ropes like that in gym class or PE class? What ropes? What <laughs> PE class? Just ropes and... Oh, you didn't... <laughs> I forget that you grew up in the <laughs> in the back of beyond. Ropes in PE class. What are you out of us? <laughs> yeah, we used to have um, we used to have those big scaffold things that they'd pull out from the wall and they'd descend the rope and they'd say, "Get up it." <laughs> oh my! And did you did you were you able to do it? Oh yeah, they put the crash mat down, so oh you get God. up to the top and you deliberately drop and fall like eighteen feet. <laughs> oh my God! Onto a crash mat. Oh my God! I was reading today about how much uh, they had to practice be- to get this um, upcoming well it, it's a little while yet but the uh, upcoming sword fight because it's described in the book and in the movie as the greatest sword fight of all time mm-hmm. and neither of them knew how to fence or to sword fight so they had to do weeks and weeks and weeks and of it's training and it turns out to be a pretty damn impressive sword fight it's like no it's it's mild by if you you see if you compare it to fight scene standards, but like for for us back in the eighties, it was you know it was pretty spectacular to look at. There's that word again, ding ding ding, spectacular. <laughs> it's become like a catchphrase on the on the podcast. <laughs> I don't even know I'm saying it anymore. I'm saying it to my children Me when neither. they when they when they use the toilet correctly. That's a spectacular poo. Spectacular shit. <laughs> well done, child. <laughs> That's a double flusher. Good on you. <laughs> I think Andre the Giant is just one of those people that would have been wonderful to be around. Like, he's he's a spectacular human being. <laughs> I was uh, watching um, a, a little YouTube clip of Carrie Elways talking about the first time that he was acting with Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And he said that um, before they called Take... 
Andre gave a spectacular fart. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he said it, it was like a horse farting. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rob Reiner said, Andre, are you OK? And he said, uh, I am no boss. And everyone, <laughs> everyone broke up laughing. And he thought, yeah, we're going to be fine. <laughs> I just love the... Um, the uh, the interplay between the characters here, it's like totally flies in the face of toxic masculinity. Yeah. It's like, um, I'll give you a hand up and then we can have a fight mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll kill you then. Oh, cheers. <laughs> in the screenplay, in the screenplay, it literally reads as, these are the two, oh, let me, sorry, okay, sorry, no. Uh, he says, these are our two he- the two heroes of our story. So William Goldman in the, in the actual screenplay is saying these are these are our two heroes of our story. He sees he sees um, both of them as yeah. Because yeah, I mean, Ineo, uh Montoya has such a brilliant arc mm-hmm. to avenge his father. I mean, you're just totally on the side and the um, I think it's the DVD or it's one of the special features. He talks about getting into character and he equated the six-fingered man to cancer and that when he was fighting Christopher Guest at the end of the movie uh, he got himself all psyched up by saying that this is the time where he fights cancer on behalf of his dad and he gets one more day back with his dad and that's how he got into um, the mindset of wanting to just slay the six finger man I think I saw this too and it was and I saw Christopher Grace being interviewed and when they did the rehearsal um, Mandy like stabbed him in the leg and when Christopher Christopher (laughs) Grace was going into the scene he just went he's going to kill me so he said I was defending myself in that scene there was there was no more performance it was me defending myself for my life because Mandy was just going at it full tilt and um it shows he's so these two characters isn't it isn't it so fascinating i love these two characters and this moments they have of just regarding each other telling each other each, they, they have such mutual respect and both of their There's jobs so many, they're going to kill each he wants one wants to kill him you know but you you sort of know it's never going to happen that the, you just want these guys to to team up mm. but um there's so many rules of screenwriting that this film breaks and this would be one of them. Could you imagine trying to get this past an executive today? They'd be like, you can't do this. What is this bullshit? They've got a fight. Why are they having these long, drawn-out conversations? It's it's just exposition. There's nothing exciting about this. It's not funny. Moving on. Fight. And it just it would just kill the whole charm of the film. Exactly. It's the characters. But you, it's the characters. you just know that that's what would be... You'd have to defend in a writer's room. Yeah. Or in a meeting. And you've, this story is so pivotal. This story that um, he's... Oh, God. I can't even... Why can't I remember his char- Mandy's character's name? It's just completely... Um, Audrey. It's not Audrey. <laughs> but it's... Audrey Mendoza. <laughs> but his character's story, which we sit down... And it's like, again, here we have like a moment where it's like a film within the film. And um, he's... Literally just telling the audience, this man sitting there, that's what his backstory and what's going on. But it's great because it's just before like this really cool fight. And um, yeah, I don't think it would work now. It's too slow. 
But again, I well, showed... It works in the film as we're it watching works. it. So, I mean, people are wrong. You're all wrong. And I showed... Stop demanding that we change. I do my acid test of how does a film work with my kids, right? I just do acid. You just do acid. And I tried The Princess Bride with my kids, and they're four and six, and they were riveted. They absolutely loved it and actually watched it maybe I love hearing that. Yeah, so some of these films really... And then there's films that just don't... does not that does not hold them at all. Um, but this one really did hold them. Um, both of them. I, I showed it to uh, my kids and they said, Papa, we're not real. <laughs> or, I thought, that's, or when, that's so strange. Or they say, Mr. When can we go home? <laughs> not when you've had your sweeties. <laughs> the only stunt that Mandy didn't do, they've done all the sword fighting themselves. And I think the only stunt he didn't do was like this was a backflip or this he does a kind of a backflip in the fight. Oh, forget it. Turn it off. Yes. <laughs> Hollywood actors. Fuck now. And he has a mullet. He's so cool. <laughs> I genuinely thought the, the battle between the two of them was one of the coolest fights I'd ever seen in film. I had like a plastic swords. I had like a couple of like sword jewels that I used to watch. I would go and watch, and uh, this was one of them. Highlander, uh, the first battle in Highlander was another one, and the duel <laughs> between Luke and Vader. With another Spaniard. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, he's no, Egyptian. That is the well. Well, Conor McLeod is 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 Scottish, but the guy he's fighting, the very first one he's fighting, is I don't know. Oh, um, what's his face? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what's his face? Crag, crag, something. No, Fuck. no, I don't know. Don't, do. don't turn off the, don't turn off the audio commentary. Uh, we're smart, honestly. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. We love movies. <laughs> there we go. Gold. Oh. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must. That reminds me of so many general meetings. <laughs> oh man. It's a long sword fight. Yes. From what I read, it was initially supposed to be just a minute long. And when they uh, showed it to. Uh, Rob Reiner, he just went, yeah, it's good, but it's like three minutes, two minutes too short. So it's a three minute. Oh, yeah. We built this set. Use it, you sons of bitches. (gasps) Now they're just taking the piss out of each other. But there's great honor in this. It's like he's uh, obviously been bested and he thinks, okay, well, kill me. Mm-hmm. He's like, nah. And he really hit him on the head. I think uh, production had to shut down, if I'm right. Oh, no, it's when it's later on when Carrie Elwes gets hit in the head. I'm pretty sure production had to get shut down for a day. Because he kind of knocked him out. Inconceivable! What does inconceivable mean? What do I do? <laughs> it means unimaginable. Are you sure? I'm not sure that's what it means. It's inconceivable. Whatever it is, it's inconceivable. 
I thought it had something to do with sex. But you know, we're coming up to. Rob Reiner is one of those guys that had he his career has to be kind of like discussed because what a run he had in the in the eighties and into the early nineties. It's pretty incredible. Well, nepotism <laughs> makes you sick. Uh, you, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it, wor- it worked on his. But like, in this case, I'm glad we had nepotism because we got these films. So his first film was Spinal Tap in 1984. Then he did The Sure Thing in the, ne- the following year. Then he did... Have you seen The Sure Thing? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's charming little road movie, kind of teen road movie with John Cusick. Uh, he's not much of a visualist, but he definitely has, he creates a tone and an atmosphere that is really warm. Yep. Great characters. He's got great characters. Great characters. Well, you know, he was an actor, wasn't he? So yeah. I suppose he, he's all about the scenes. The scenes have got to work. Stand by May in 86, Princess Bride in 87, When Harry Met Sal- Sally in 89, Misery in 90. Right. These are great character movies. Yeah. And a few good men in 92. So he kind of had a bit of a dodgy period in the 90s, even though I like the American president. And, um, but yeah, that's some run. That really is some run. The proto West Wing. Yeah, certainly was. Yeah. Even had a Martin Sheen in there. You can never go wrong with a Martin Sheen. Yeah. You, you, you almost forget that Andre the Giant is as big as he is until you compare head sizes. <laughs> and you're like, fuck me, his head is double the size. <laughs> it really is. It really is. He must have broken so many toilets in his day. <laughs> but like, imagine back in the day when he actually had to like fly places. I think they genuinely had to have like double seats for him. They just flew in circles on every plane he was on. <laughs> Excuse me, stewardess. We've been <laughs> flying in circles for the past eight hours. I know. <laughs> he was mad for the drink too, Adrian the Giant. He was mad for it. He would have, like, you know, when other people would have six bottles of beer, he would, like, have a six-pack case of wine and just throw a bottle into him. <laughs> like one gulp. But in the meantime, rest well. Well, I mean, the size of him. He died young, though, didn't he? 93. Uh, mm-hmm. Was the year he died, not his age. He was still young. He was 93, he was still young. that's no age. <laughs> yeah, if you have a chance, see, watch that Under the Giant docu- documentary. It's on Netflix, I'm pretty sure. You just get, get a chance to see how well-loved he was. And how how much he leaned into well, bigger character he was in the mid eighties. I remember when the uh, well wrestling was massive for a, a period, and they were doing exhibition tours in, even in Cork. No way. You'd have like yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan and Randy Roddy Piper and all those guys. No way. Fish Bulldog. Yeah, unless I'm hallucinating, I I pretty much remember them coming. 
to Cork. Uh, around the same time that Michael Jackson came on his um, that was on the bad tour. I think that was eighty eight. Yeah, it would have been around then. Jesus. So it is down to you, and it is down to me. If you wish you're dead, by all means, keep moving forward. So you say he was sweating. Yes. You'll, filming this. You'll see when you get into a close-up when he's laughing and stuff like that, he's actually pale and you'll actually see him perspiring because apparently he was so nervous about being replaced by Danny DeVito that um, he was panicking every day on set. Just wasn't, was never comfortable. But he's wonderful. You can't imagine his character without him and his voice. Aristotle, Socrates, <laughs> yes, morons. powder. In that case, I challenge you. She doesn't have much of a part in this, Robin Wright. Just the title. Buttercup is. <laughs> Buttercup is a bit. Um, she is the typical prize in these kind of movies. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. This film certainly wouldn't get made in today's uh, in today in today's culture. Where you have fuck's sake, nothing would get made today <laughs> in this culture. You have literally—it's it's all fe- about <laughs> the female character. She literally has been dragged from from pillar to post. And oh, well, they probably—it probably the prince, <laughs> the prince groom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they probably just tell the whole story from. Um, from the six-fingered man or from Humperdinck's point of view. it would, Because these days it's all about telling stories from the villain's point of view for mm. some baffling reason. I don't know why, but that's a new trend. All right. Where is the poison? The Battle of Wits. I love the fact that they have lots of different types of obstacles for them to overcome. Mm-hmm. So you've got this sort of like... Um, uh, battle of wits and then you have them battling like rats and fire swamps and what have you as a kid it was like you just felt you got a really full story out of this yeah and it's only what 90, 90 plus minutes long and it just keeps there's always there's always another interesting scene that that's well I'm watching on 1.5 speed oh you made your decision then uh and you know, uh, Carrie Elvis, he feels like one of these guys, because this is such a heroic role, like, you know, Douglas Fairbanks mixed with Errol Flynn. And he really is, like, he does it perfectly, like, you know, he's so charming and he's so confident and he's got the physicality. But his career never kind of lived up to this, like, film ever again. You know, he did Robin Hood Men in Tights, just taking the pisms out of this kind of type of character. Um, I, I can't really remember him in too much aside from he was in a Saw film am I right in saying that? he was the first Saw film mm, that's the only one I've seen me too and Robin Wright Penn she never did much after this no that was it for her yeah yeah <laughs> actually Robin Wright Robin Rice, yeah <laughs> <laughs> She married Zach Penn. I don't see anything. She was in a soap opera before this. She was in was it Santa Barbara or something like that? 
And <laughs> I love that you've read the same Wikipedia page as me. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> we had we had to pull it. As if this is all like just in your memory banks. This is head. all the stuff that you all there. You yeah. know, just know everything. Sober. And also, did you know that Robin Wright was on a soap opera called Santa Barbara? I just know that. <laughs> it's just in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and when this finishes recording, you'll never remember that ever again. But you've said it on mic. <laughs> That's what I love when people listen to the podcast and they go, you guys just know so much. And it's like, yeah, because we basically just swatted for like an hour before yeah. we recorded. <laughs> That's exactly it. It is literally just there on the tips of our brains and it dissipates. As soon as the words leave our mouth, is gone. The pain. So there's a shot here where Chris Sarandon jumps onto his horse. And oh my God, how he pulled that off without castrating himself for life. I don't know. Who are you? It's, uh, yeah, it's always caused me pain and I wince every time I see it. Think. All that time it was yeah. That was poisoned. They were both poisoned. I spent the last few years building up an immunity to Iocane powder. Someone has beaten a giant. There will be great suffering in Gilder if she dies. He had broken his toe in these scenes. No way. Oh, God. Oh, man. How do you do that? Andrew the Giant used uh, stepped on him a, a dune buggy. <laughs> He'd have no foot if that was the case. He used a dune buggy to get around because he couldn't fit into the cars. Oh wow! Or the uh, the transport buses. Oh wow! So they got him a dune buggy, and um, Andrew the Giant said to him, "Do you want to have a go off my dune buggy?" Yeah. And he did, and he fell off it, and he broke his toe. Oh wow! So he's limping in the the sequence coming up here before he gets thrown on the hill. Oh yeah. So you you see the way he sits is really awkward. A killer like yourself could ever dream. That was a warning, Highness. The next time my hand flies on its own, for where I come from, there are penalties when a woman lies. I okay. I bet my life on it. And there are the princess's footprints. She is alive. Or was an hour ago. She is otherwise when I find her. I shall be very put out. Rest, Highness. I know who you are. Your cruelty reveals everything. You're the dread pirate Roberts. Admit it. With pride. What can I do for you? You can die slowly, cut into a thousand pieces. Hardly complimentary, Your Highness. Why lose your venom on me? You killed my love. It's possible. I kill a lot of people. Who was this love of yours? Another prince like this one? Ugly, rich and scabby. Do you know what? That always, the way he sits down always stands out to me. I always remember it's an unusual, I used to try and mimic it and kind of go, oh, that's a kind of a cool way of sitting. Because he broke his toe. Oh, wow. So break your toe and you'll figure it out. Wow. Okay. 
can't afford to make exceptions. Because he has like one leg out stretched as he goes down. People begin to disobey you and then it's nothing but work, work, work. He does, yeah. Because internally he was screaming. <laughs> it's like in The Two Towers, Vigo Martinson kicked uh, one of the orcs' helmets and literally broke a toe in, in shot. Oh, I see him. And he roars, Rah! but it actually totally worked for the scene, but he literally broke his big toe. There are few pains worse than stubbing your toe. No bribe attempts he reminds me, though, of the uh, the lead guy from The Rocketeer. Where was his? I don't remember his name. I asked him what was so important for him. Oh, God. Let's uh, not go into it. Let's, not, let's get him back down. Keep going. Keep going. We'll get back down. And if Bill Shithead. Bill Shithead. I think it might be Bill, actually. It's Bill something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you were great in The Rocketeer and in Star Trek The Next Generation. But um, he just looked like, oh, that's a, a matinee idol type actor. He's going to have a big career. And then it didn't pan out that way from because the Rocketeer wasn't a, a huge hit. And I assume the same thing happened for Carrie Elways with uh, Princess Bride, where this wasn't as big of a hit as it should have been. Because he's like, a, he's looks like a leading man. He's, he's almost prettier looking than her. And the fact that he didn't have the, uh, the lift off from this film. That was the thing that I was saying. That's the thing I was saying about him. It's like, yeah, I I was so surprised that it never, it never really, his career never took off for him. You know, um, he's been in a lot of films. He's been in loads of films. I'm just trying to see. Like he was in Glory, Days of Thunder, Hot Shots. <laughs> I love Hot Shots. As you wish. He was a bad guy in, in um, Twister. He didn't know that the film had uh, achieved any sort of popularity until he was in a restaurant and the um, the waitress said to him when she was taking his order, as you wish, and she did it with a little wink. No way. And he thought, wait a second, she's quoting The Princess Bride. And that was the first time where he felt someone had quoted back the film to him. Wow. And wow. then it, it sort of started to snowball but that was like 10-15 years after the film had been released oh my lord oh what a way and Mandy Potemkin or I can never pronounce his surname says that he gets he gets quoted Potemkin this battleship Potemkin he gets quoted you know my name is Amigo de Montello you kill my father prepare to die at least three times a day pre-COVID obviously um and that's when he knew he was in like a Wizard of Oz type film that had gone into the you know, the, the the mass consciousness. And he's just... I'd imagine it's great. Yeah, like, Carriolus, he's a very handsome man. Like, Jesus. Maybe he just wasn't the right leading man for this era. You know, maybe he was, Maybe he's a total cunt to work with. <laughs> there you go. That could be it too. <laughs> there we go. This is an explicit commentary for a kid's film. <laughs> oh, man. This film is 33 years old. Oh my god. At least it's older than me. 34 years old, actually. Oh, it's still old. So it's the same age as me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so fucking young. (laughs) Anyway, you had barbecue for dinner? 
<laughs> yeah, we had a bit of a barbecue for dinner. Yeah, yeah, a double barbecue. Did you cook it like in the fire swamp? That's a great segue. Brought good it back. Man, good man. Yeah, we need to bring it back. Like, so this, so they actually went to the fire swamp to shoot this. There's a famous fire swamp outside. Um, <laughs> and uh, That's my shtick. Get your own. And tamed one of the native RUSSs. It's got an RUSSs handler to come in and tame some RUSSs. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, this was the sequence they filmed in Ireland. Oh, right. Because it was... These are all the locals. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Reiner said get me a bunch of locals and they brought up rats and he said I like your style when um, Cariel was I don't know what that meant I do love I do love when he's going through the fire swamp with that little tick 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 and that his character becomes so He's so cool and so collected that he's just, ah, yeah, he's just learned the mechanics of this world and nothing phases him. That's what I love about this guy is that he's just, he literally... He's a Mary Sue. You've just basically pointed her out. Oh, my God. He's a Mary Sue. He's a Gary Sue. But, but the thing about it is... He's Ray, he's Ray fucking Skywalker. Turn it off. This is absolute bollocks. But the thing about this is that he, he dies. He is dead. If it if it wasn't for his his partners in crime, or they're not. Oh, hang on, you're way ahead of me. I know, I know, no, no. Listen, I'm just talking. <laughs> in I'm just I'm spitballing here. But I utterly love I love his swagger through this world, his confidence because this is a, such a dangerous area. It's exaggerated to the point where if he was Mary suing it, it's just like oh, this isn't fun. But actual, his overconfidence is kind of fun. It's kind of like you can throw anything at him, and he's you know. He and he he doesn't overcome everything because he gets caught by the bad guys, you know. After the scene, at the end of the scene, so excuse you, yeah. It was me, yeah. He was twenty three when he did this. My lord, she was nineteen, I think, wasn't she? I don't know. I think she was. I just because it's information I I I, I consumed today. <laughs> <laughs> that you've always just known. Great in a trivia quiz. Yeah. You see, no one would surrender to the Dread Pirate Wesley. So we sailed ashore, took on an entirely new crew, and he stayed aboard for a while as first mate, all the time calling me Roberts. Once the crew believed, I, he left the ship, and I had been Roberts ever since. Except now that we're together, I shall retire and hand the name over to someone else. Is that been clear to you? Quicksand. That was all over everything in the 80s. Absolutely. I listened to a really cool documentary. So that was a child in that rat suit. <laughs> Poor kid. I thought they were like uh, small, small performers, like little people. No, they were children. They had them working sixteen hours a day, <laughs> and they glued, you know, rat fur onto them. 
there yeah quicksand i listened to a really interesting documentary about quicksand how it was like the you ultimate watch it? you know it was like an audio some audio documentary now this is years ago oh, okay and it wasn't just like quicksand the documentary it's like quicksand's <laughs> book one when are you watching will oh this documentary <laughs> on sand. sand it's gone quick oh wow yeah it won a, it's but, only 30 seconds long <laughs> but they talked about how quicksand like was like the the two go became the two go um like threat for people out in the out in the jungle or wilderness and all of a sudden it oversaturated in 80s television culture and um not 80s but like i think it started like from the 60s it was it was just oversaturated and it lost its appeal it became just passe and uh and tired my favorite quicksand scene is in indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skulls <laughs> when uh shia labeouf throws harrison ford a snake and pulls him oh, out man. I was in the cinema and I was like applauding. I was going, this is exactly what I want. This is this is prime entertainment. I love it. And it shot it on a set. And um, yeah, it was that just kind of typifies. That I was film. like, no, don't do that. Indy hates snakes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I got kicked out of the cinema. <laughs> Kevin, did you consume the same bit of trivia about the actor playing the R-O-U-S um, the day they were shooting the fight scene between the Dread Pirate Danny Rivers? DeVito? No, it wasn't Danny DeVito. What happened was, so there's, supposed to, there's this fight scene between the R-O-U-S, I can't pronounce it, and rodents of unusual size, and Carrie Elwes and he was supposed to show up like they had one guy who was really good at crawling crawling another guy that was really particularly good at like doing the kind of the the rat head stuff um but he was supposed to show up and set and he'd been on the lash the night beforehand and got stopped <laughs> driving to set he got stopped by the cops and they took him into the police station and he was like you know I have to get to set like I'm an actor like you know and he says oh yeah, yeah whatever like you know he says no they really need me to hold production well like I'm on a call for today and he says yeah well like you know whatever well you problem. shouldn't have drunk drived <laughs> well he says he said who are you playing he says I play a rat and they went yeah shut up and just closed the cell door so Rob Reiner on the production she just had he to should have said I play a pig <laughs> <laughs> they would have beat him to death <laughs> When I went skydiving in New Zealand, uh, we were in a bar and our, um, our jump had been called off for bad weather. And the weather forecast was that it was going to be really good in early morning the next day. And we were told this by the sky jump team that were also in the bar with us. And they said, if you guys want to come around tomorrow at seven in the morning, we can try to jump again before we left town. And we were all like, yeah, let, we'd love that. Let's do it. Mm. And I remember looking at the sky jump team who were dancing on fucking tables to Britney Spears mm. and uh, thinking, well, fuck me. I hope I don't get that guy. Who did I get? Oh, no. <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning. Everyone's getting buddied up with their tandem jumper, oh, no. and I'm the last to get on the plane. And I'm looking around, going like, um, uh, "Who am I with?" And up walks the guy, late, 
pulling on his jumpsuit, strapping himself in. And he was the guy that I looked at dancing on the bar, hammered drunk. And if I was scared to do my (laughs) tandem jump then, I was shitting it. I was like, is he even sober? And I'm strapped to this guy and he's going to jump out of a plane. Oh, my God. uh, But it was all all right in the end. I survived. Well, it's either that or your ghost has become a very successful podcast host, co-host. That's what my kids tell me. (laughs) Pop, pop. Now that we're... Now that we have to call you Pop Pop. Pop Pop? Is that what you want us to call you? We must get you to your ship. Can we go home, Pop Pop? <laughs> Stop hogging the blankets. <laughs> That's so creepy. This is definitely getting cut. <laughs> so, what's your favorite bit about the scene you're watching right now? <laughs> <laughs> the bit that you're watching. <laughs> what is it? You have six fingers on your right hand. Someone was looking for you. When Chris so, looking at Mel Smith. Oh. And he So do you was see there allergic. when Christopher Yes, but let me let me get my one in there. So just before Christopher Guest knocked Carrie Elvis out in the head, Carrie, Carrie Elvis mm. says, Oh yeah, give me a good crack in the head. And that knocked that actually knocked him out and he had to go to hospital and they shut down production for the day. And maybe Have you ever been reason. knocked out? Um, I can't. I know. I don't think I ever. Have. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember this week. Yeah, yeah, not this week anyway. Um, have you? No, that was an interesting story. <laughs> no, but I love hearing Mel Smith. He's he comes in with that raspy voice, and he just clears his throat, and then <laughs> he's talking. But you were going to he's say something. Yeah, he's apparently never seen the film. Well, he's Le- dead now. But he never saw it when he was alive. <laughs> Why? For some reason, he didn't enjoy being on a film and he was allergic to the contacts. So, um, oh, uh, I don't know what it was. He probably just thought it's going to bring back sense memory. Oh, I think I've read this too. It, it was like, it was so excruciating, the solution that was in his eye. that Got a lot Wikipedia. Yeah, there we go. We're on the same Wikipedia page. And uh, maybe he just didn't like that color of hair. Maybe that was the thing. Just went, mm-hmm. didn't fancy myself as a blonde. <laughs> I want to say, I want to say, I have to acknowledge Christopher Guest. Like, what a goddamn chameleon. Because I didn't know it was Christopher Guest, like, for years and years and years. And um, at the time, I looked at the credits and I saw his name and I was like, oh, it's Christopher Guest. <laughs> that's what worked for you that was uh, I that's a prob- very bitchy sarcastic well I want to say something to you I recorded this off the telly and oh, they had no I, credits. I didn't have the credits not that they didn't I just taped over the credits with my He-Man cartoon or something like that so it was just like a film's over tape over the credits shite <laughs> I need that extra five minutes I'm just sure of it after all that was they did for her, if she didn't marry him. Peter Falk was great casting as well. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Was he the main... I think he was the only one considered for this. No, I'm sure they considered others, but... 
They were considering O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Is this at, before, no, before he murdered people? Right, okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. Bobo. That's some crone. It really is. Like, yeah, that's the thing about crones. They never look comfortable. Jesus. Oh, we're gone quiet. We need to say something. Oh, sh- I was actually just watching it. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> I was literally, I was just watching this woman going, God, I wonder how much prosthetic work she has done or like, not prosthetic, but makeup work. And she's really spooky. The old crone. Yeah. I love that word crone. It's one of those words I like. There's a, a game called The Witcher and uh, there's an amazing game called The Witcher Tr- Witcher 3. It's the best of the series. And they've got some bad villains in it and they're the crones of Crookback Bog. I love saying it. The crones of Crookback Bog. Do you say scone or scone? I I say uh, scone. My wife says scone. And I know scone oh is the correct I say scone. You married a you married a Protestant. Well, you see, I don't want to get into I don't want to get into the, <laughs> the weeds and this stuff. But when you're up here in Donegal, you get a lot. There's no difference. You, well, Kevin, listen, I won't get divulge your address, but a lot of the kind of look at the Irish wolf hunt. Not to sidetrack you. No, no, no. Beautiful but, dog. Uh, they call up here. Up here, they say instead of St. Stephen's Day, they call it Boxing Day. And um, yeah, so just saying that. <laughs> I could never cause you. And I still, I still, I still say Saint Stephen's Day when I'm talking to locals, just to, just to say it. Yeah, <laughs> just to rub it in, <laughs> just to kind of go. No, I'm not calling it. It says boxing. in the RTE guide Saint, Saint Stephen's, Stephen's Day. Day. So if I need to prove that it's Saint Stephen's Day, and we are in the Republic, so um, yeah. I actually still call, like, you know, when they reference, because we never had the BBC channels and stuff like that. And whenever anyone up here talks about, do you remember that on BBC One and BBC Two? I was like, no, we didn't get the Queen's channels over here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I first moved to Ireland, when I was, uh, I think I was six. And I went from watching Roland Rath to watching Bosco. Oh, I thought, what is this shit? Oh man, get me, get me out of That's here. That's rough. And it, get me out of here. There was this brief period for us where my dad got like this aerial, this special aerial that would that he put in the attic, and for like certain at certain random times, at certain certain random days, <laughs> if the if, wind was blowing, if the wind was blowing in the right direction and the sun sun was in a certain part of the sky, you could pick up the BBC channels, and it was like all of a sudden tuning into the real fucking shit. It was like, oh my god, it was rock and roll. Seeing everything they did was just so much better on TV. Oh man. Oh god. I envied anyone who had access to the British channels. Chris Randon. He know him well. Know him well. He was a great cornerback for Gort. No, he wasn't. Um, (laughs) Married Susan Sarandon. And. So, this contraption. Yes. This uh, torture device. Do you know this? Did you read this on Wikipedia? Nope. This was actually built for um, 
the Bond film. The sort of the, uh, uh, I don't know what do you, is it canon? Is it not canon? Sometimes it gets included in the, in the collection, but the Connery, um, never say never again. No way. Uh, Thunderball remake that he did. Yeah. It was wow. uh, built for that film and they didn't use it. So it was going to be the, um, the villain's sort of, uh, torture device. Oh so they borrowed Lord. it for this film and they, they repainted it and they took off some of the bones that were on it. And, uh, yeah, you'd think it was like a prop that was designed for this film, but nope. It was repurposed. That's great trivia, Kevin. That's some good trivia. Thank you. I read that 10 seconds before we started recording. <laughs> That's really good. I was looking, this, this device, like, I, I actually, I love that little gauge. It's like literally zero to one and you see how much agony it causes him. And it does, it's kind of, to me anyway, I was like, oh, poor Wesley is getting a, a real baiting here. But when later on it gets put up to max, then you really feel for it. I always get self-conscious about saying baiting because it's such a cork thing. And if you say it anywhere else, you just sound baiting. like an idiot. I bait the head off him. <laughs> I lean into, if I can, I lean into as many of those colloquial kind of like um, phrases. Uh, Would you say decent? I never really Would did you, in, the, in the. I never really. I, it was just. Not, that you, wasn't a part of heard it, obviously. Oh, yeah, decent. It was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, it's really decent. decent. Jeez, oh, that's decent, boy. The yeah. Princess Bride, man. Oh, it's decent. decent. Yeah. I probably would have said probably, it. People don't even probably say that anymore. Welcome to the Princess Bride commentary where we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> colloquialisms that may have fallen out of um, usage. I was shocked, actually, as we're on this, that. Uh, Langer has become ironic now, where people say it to be um, taking the piss. Whereas when I was a kid, Langer was a, a legitimate swear word, but now it's sort of... Oh, he's a sound Langer. A, is it, is it yeah. like, what context would you use it? Uh, I got my, I slammed my <laughs> Langer in the car door. <laughs> so that's how you would use it. <laughs> you Langer. He was I, Langer's. To bring it Language back basically to- means drunk, it means dick, and it means idiot. Yeah. But, but you'd also use it in a playful sense. You could kind of go, you're some langer, as in a kind of like, oh, you're some messer, you know? Listen, on the set of Grabbers, because I'd used it just in, in conversation once or twice, mm-hmm. um, John Wright ended up introducing me to pretty much everybody as Langers, Langers Lehan. Oh so my, my nickname for the whole production was Langers. Oh it was God. never Kevin. It was oh Langers. God. Called Langers over here. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you got to stop that. Oh, um, but they didn't. There is and there, look, <laughs> there's a... <laughs> what did I say his name was? Audrey Mendoza? No, He's Langers. <laughs> He's absolutely out of it. But I love it, even though he's completely pissed. It's like his arm, he's just still can go into fighting mode. 
But I love the scene, the scene there, which we missed because we were talking about the hangers and scones and stuff like Dasons, is when I love the scene where Chris Sarandon is talking to his kind of like he's sheriff of Nottingham. Listen, the dude. Wikipedia page was only a, a couple of pages long. <laughs> but I, I didn't actually the, work on this from. <laughs> I love the way that he comes to his side like a dog, and the two of them get up and get down. It's just a great physical comedy. Um, it is. And here we have, like, there's something about Andre the Giants. Again, it's the, the warmth of his presence. He just has this comforting, because he obviously wasn't acting, it's just him. Um, Didn't he say that because of how big he is, uh, he children are immediately scared of him. So to counter that, he'd be mm-hmm. extra kind and extra friendly because he didn't like people being afraid of him. Oh, wow. Whereas if I was that size, I would just go around going, <laughs> just roaring at people. Papa? <laughs> Shut up, you langer. <laughs> Get back in the basement. I love the way... Uh, he really is like a second lead, though. When you when you think of how much time we're spending with Ine, Ine, uh, I guess. Inigo Montoya, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, Wesley is like the damsel; he's strapped to a table. Yeah, getting sucked off. But again, it's it's it literally he states this in. I ordered you said Kevin. I'm just ignoring it. Um, <laughs> He's, he's, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to, he literally says it in the script. He said, this is, these are the two heroes of our story. So in the script, uh, this is, I'm going way back. He says, in the script, uh, William Goldman said, he says, um, what we are starting now is one of the two greatest sword fights in modern movies. And he's, oh yeah. Do you know the thing about it is in his script, he'd loads of spelling mistakes, which I took grace. Solace from that might not have been him though. That might have been it's the him. assistant that was that typed out the script. Yep, loads of it. So, so that's right. What we are staring at instead of what we are staring. Yeah, it's. And he had another one. He there was several like typos in it, and I was just going, "Yeah, what a fucking so, idiot!" Because yeah. <laughs> that's like me. I'm just just going, "Yeah, typos." Do you know what though? I I never I never really got into. I said on the first episode because. It was our dummy episode. There's so many mistakes in that episode. And I said in that episode... Not my half. So he had a fascinating life. And then I never explained what I meant by that. I just went straight into <laughs> talking about, I think, his brother or something. Yeah. But uh, his father killed himself. Jesus Christ. When he was 16 and his mother was deaf. So just think of the household where your dad's drunk himself to death and your mother... Is deaf. That's got to be a very um, disconcerting atmosphere. And, and the, two, the two of them ended he worked up at screenwriters. He worked at the Pentagon. William Goldman. Yeah. He did, yeah. He worked at the Pentagon for a couple of years. Jesus. Because it was conscription back then, wasn't it? So of course. You were called up. Wow. And because he could type, he ended up working a, a desk job in the Pentagon. But I found all that stuff fascinating. 
but he's he credits the death of his father for having such a, a long lasting impact on his psyche that so many of his characters are um well they're either they're either dying or they're facing impossible odds and it doesn't go the way that they wanted to they sort of all lose a piece of themselves wow so even though his films are quite warm there was always a, a very uh, a dark streak through them so that kind of plays into this film and into two kind of heroic characters in you know Wesley who literally has like his life sucked away from him and then Inigo Montoya who's literally getting sucked off yeah Inigo Montoya who's trying to avenge the, the, the man who killed his father mm. it just goes to show, prove as well it's kind of worth living a life before you start writing full time because you've loads of different kind of things to references to pull from weird little esoteric kind of experiences and um, and well you know when they say write what you know I think that people misconstrue that and I think that they th- think what that means well they take it quite literally and they think it is so you can only write about your personal experience Mm, your literal about, experience yeah your literal so I can only write about characters from Cork City for instance I don't I've never lived well I have lived in other places but you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. write what you know I know Cork City better than any other city I suppose um, but I don't think that's what it means I think it's like apply what you know about life what you've experienced into your character so you can write about astronauts mm. you don't have to have been an astronaut but you should write characters who act like real people and that you can relate to and respond to and that's what you know you know people right what you know about the human condition yeah you're absolutely right because if you're if you're writing to a prescriptive if you're writing to a prescriptive model then it's just going to be artificial it's it's what everyone is sort of like doing these days is saying you have to have lived a certain experience to be able to write it and I think that's a bit limiting on uh, people that want to write all types of characters and they're not uh, given the freedom to do that and I think you can just pluck like you can pl- I think you can just pluck from just little moments sometimes just little moments little interactions or it does, it's not even about that sometimes it's about the research you do into learning about a character or learning about something or some someone that already already existed. People are innately empathetic. And I think that if you are a writer, mm-hmm. you, you should be able to see the world from other people's point of view. Mm-hmm. But obviously there are so many bad writers out there that just give us all such a bad name. Yeah, pretty and doesn't know it they're still writing that yes. <laughs> and then people just pluck it out and go like look this is what all men are like fucking idiots yeah I know and I'm like yeah but I wouldn't write that I'd say she's hot and she knows it <laughs> she's hot <laughs> oh man I'm kidding let's get back to Princess Bride and there's this, actually, this is my first time watching this film and it's really good. <laughs> I'm seeing... Uh,
it's dead. Just say it's not fire. Grandpa, Grandpa, wait, wait. This was Fred Savage before he was cast in the Wonder Years. So this is kind of like his first, like he was an unknown at this moment. But he must have just pretty much started the Wonder Years, like literally after finishing this. And um, if you were, you're probably, you're a few years years younger than me, but uh, Kevin Arnold was kind of like an avatar for me because he was like about, he was, his character was like maybe a year older than I was when I was watching the TV show. So I felt Yeah, but he really was... You mean he wins? For, yeah, but... He was called Kevin, and his mom in the show was called Norma, and that's my mom's name. Oh wow! <laughs> so Did you find that weird? I was like, I was like, back off! He's mine. This is me. <laughs> what was that girl called? In the, the the tall girl with the long brown hair? Oh, she had a Win- certain name. Winnie Cooper. Winnie Cooper. Oh my God, Winnie. Yeah. Oh my. Now God, I want to watch the Wonder Years. It was great. And I, growing up, I had such a crush on Winnie Cooper. Like, it was kind of like, uh, I need to find Well, that's that creepy. Place. She was like 14. Well, I was like 11. So <laughs> you're allowed to have crush on people older than you. <laughs> to me back then, she was like a fully grown woman. Like, you know. <laughs> Look at that woman. My God. <laughs> <laughs> she's got, she's got to be married. She's got to be married and have kids and all, you know. Mom, let me watch my stories. My God, look at that woman. <laughs> Go on, Kevin. Beat it, or I'll call the brute squad. I'm on the brute squad. You are the brute squad. We need a miracle. It's very important. Look, I'm retired. Besides, why would you want someone the king's stinking son fired? I might kill whoever you want to meet the miracle. He's already dead. He is, huh? I'll take a look. Bring him in. We're at the scene with Billy But Crystal. here we go. Like, fucking... Our lead character, our protagonist, is dead. You don't do this. You would never get away with this. Nowadays. But, like, he's got to be front and centre, calling the shots, making choices. Yeah. And leading the story. And he's not. And that's surprising. And that's great for the audience because now they literally are going, he he has no agency right now. He can't do anything. And he's dead. Like, what the hell? And we've we've never, the rules haven't been established that there's someone out there who's a magical, there's no wizard. There hasn't been a wizard in this film up until now. And they literally knock on the door. And you know wizard. who's playing that wizard? Is it Danny Ian DeVito. McKellen. <laughs> I was going Ian McKellen. <laughs> But I love this. They, they pump him full of air. And <laughs> look, at, look how plastic his face looks. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I I just want to grab his nose and pull it off. <laughs> well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. The out, not the outtakes, but the uh, extra features mostly on dead. one of the discs mm. has um, Billy Crystal riffing and just coming up with so many different one-liners and they, they shot it for an entire day of him just ad-libbing and cracking the crew up Billy Crystal is one of those guys that I never found like to be amazingly attractive. hilarious no, no I always found him attractive he was like he was right up there with Winnie Cooper for me 
Um, he Philly was a great Cooper. Oscar he, host. He was, he was my, also my other childhood crush. <laughs> Long on Willie Crystal. <laughs> but, but apparently, this is the thing, like, apparently, like, he's one of the funniest guys out there. And I can imagine that he probably is, like, in the flesh. But I just think my reference point has been the films that he's been in. And I just don't think he's been in, like, his characters in the films he's been hasn't been the outrageous, hilarious lead or whatever it is, like, you know. Um, yeah, I think I mean, Throw Mama from the Train and Silly Slickers. That's the um, Tinkerbell character from Scrooged. <gasps> You're right. Carol she's Kane. The, she's also yeah, Carol Kane, of course. That, yeah, I'm the Carol one who's Kane. in the 60s. I can't remember the name of anybody. Oh my god! And she just turned up, and they said you're good to go, and they put her right in front of a camera, and they just matched Billy to her. Didn't do any makeup or anything. <laughs> That's a horrible joke. That was such a <laughs> was such a long walk for that. <laughs> this is the stuff that we get cut out of an actual episode. Yeah, literally, like the our souls, the soles of our shoes need to be replaced. We need to go to a cobbler to fix our shoes. Um, you had to walk that one so far. Bye. But what a great again! Look, it is breaking completely, breaking screen screenwriting conventions. And it would be one one thing I would establish if I was to write a screenplay. I would kind of allude to the fact that there was some sort of magic that could be applied to 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 in the story later on to bring someone not literally but like I would allude to the yeah, fact you, that there was you set it there. up you sort of say there's magic exists in this world but I'm, I would write the film the same way I'd probably give uh Buttercup more to do in fact oh, I definitely yes. would yes, I've written a script called Legend no I'm not going to say that you actually you making it all about written, me, you know. But look, you, I've Legend has it. Great script. I've read it. It's really good. Oh, plug, plug, plug! <laughs> Just found it on uh, online someplace. It's dark web script shadow. Yeah. What this great- was like where I decided to lean into. Like William Goldman has an incredible career. But when you line up all his films, and I know he, he delved into a little bit more uh, capers and, and um, more popcorn fare later on in his career, with like writing Maverick and what have you. But when you look at, yeah, William Goldman, but when you look at The Princess Bride up against Marathon Man and All the President's Men and uh, Butch Cassidy and what have you, it, it feels like, whoa, that's a bit of a departure for that guy. And then you realise it's based on his actual book. So it's not just him as a gun for hire. Mm-hmm. This is a, a labour of love for him. Yeah, And I love that. I just thought, this is the essence of the guy. And when you hear the story about why it came about, he wrote it for his two daughters. It's like, this is obviously the most earnest, heartfelt story that he could write. Because it's a, it's a legacy story he's leaving to his kids. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Yeah, I was a bit worried that, well, I suppose it set the course for the, the rest of the season. But I was like, mm, people are going to think, here we go, immature guy picking a kid's film as his best bit out of one of the masters of screenwriting. I loved it when you picked that scene. I absolutely loved it. I just went, <laughs> I, I set like the bar going, so low. You were like, I'm fine. Well, no, you said, you, from, 
I, I you set the bar at a at a place where it was like you know no it was it was a genuine pick it was a it was a pick from your heart and I love that it was just like no I'm picking this and that's my, my I I try and park my intellectual brain and a brain and that's quite obvious <laughs> I park my intellectual I have to go on my gut and I have to go on what the things that make me fall in love with cinema. And, and and figure out why I they, they made me fall in love with cinema and what's great about them. And this is a film of pure joy. It's a story told with great love and it's executed beautifully. So, um, and it's spectacular, Kevin. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I love and it's, before it's, it's, it's so gone. visceral. It's literally visceral. visceral. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I love as they're preparing to to raise this uh, this castle. <laughs> Carrie Elwes's character is gradually getting more and more strength, but he's very he's, his physical performance is very good. And um, but also, um, Andre the Giant's character. This is oh, we have we need a apocalypse cloak, or I can't remember what he says. And he, oh, I just have to have one here, and he just pulls one out of his like again. Screenwriting 101. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. But it, for this film, it works. You can do that in this film. And in this wedding scene, who plays the priest again? It's Dudley Moore's um, uh, Peter Cook. Uh, yes, his co-star. Yeah, Peter Cook. Marriage. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. With a, a Trojan horse moment. Oh yeah, it's great. And like putting him on a wheelbarrow. Okay. Now I can buy everything else, but being able to lift Andrew the Giant in a wheelbarrow, I just can't buy that. I just don't think anyone physically could. <laughs> There's a moment there. at the end where he jumps on a horse, and I think that's that cannot be. <laughs> that can't be possible. <laughs> Maybe a moose, but not a horse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Reminds me of Game of Thrones. In what way? That they all look like they're in Game of Thrones. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Specifics. It just randomly reminded me of Game of Thrones. The fire. The fire reminds me so much of the dragons. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same 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 genre, kind of. Well, it's fantasy, isn't it? It's fantasy. They had so much trouble trying to market this because they said, is it a kid's film? Is it a comedy? Is it an action film? Yeah. Or is it for adults? And is it, yeah, is it a satire? You know, is it taking a piss? Or... That's what they said as well when when Will, when Rob Reiner uh, is, uh, went to William Goldman to say, look, I'm interested in making this. Um... Uh, William Golden went and he'd only two films on at that stage which was Spinal Tap and The Sure Thing and when he watched he saw that the the humour the hilarious humour of Spinal Tap and then he saw the kind of the earnest romance 
of the sure thing. He just went, well, I think this this guy can kind of like pull off these facets and I think maybe he can actually get the tone of this right. And he sure, he sure could. And he sure did. I love the old king dude. I love the old king dude. The kind of senile mm. older man. I, I screwed up on the on the pile. I said it was King Humperdinck and it's Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, it's Prince Humperdinck. It's not yeah. king. Yeah. So we're coming to you. So, so your best bit scene hasn't happened yet. I'm right in saying that. Yeah, it's coming up. It's it's in, in the bedroom. The opening uh, credits to the, to the podcast where we oh, quote. Oh, yeah. Um, so you make sure we flag that scene up when we we don't just talk over since make sure we um, we um, discuss that. This is a professional outfit, of course I'll flag it up. Yeah, yeah. He's so cool, Mandy but um Inigo Matoya. Just took out four guys. Go on, Audrey. Fuck him up. <laughs> And this is where Christopher Guest is, is is beginning to think he's actually going to kill me. <laughs> he's going to, he's actually will kill me in the scene. I love the way when when it happens. Why oh, actually? Yeah. So Mandy's. I love the way Mandy throws himself at the door here. Like he's going to dislocate his shoulder. It's the physical comedy of this is great. And Andre the Andre the Giant literally just <laughs> attaches poor Wesley to the to the to the, to the armor. Just stay here. Brilliant stuff. I love this. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Just brilliant physical comedy. It only had like an eleven million budget. And on Jesus. a film like this we have to build everything. Well, they actually didn't. They went and found a castle. Where they're shooting right now is an actual castle. So they they only had to construct a few all those tapestries and stuff like that, or the original tapestries, they didn't they didn't those tapestries that you see in the walls are like from the ninth century or tenth century or something like that. So um they used the location as much as they could. Are those candles real? No 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 no, those were completely fake candles <laughs> artificial those are digit. the first digital they actually spent the entire budget on digitally creating the flames <laughs> people have done stupider things in the film business <laughs> the costumes are great as well though yeah they're cool if you had six fingers what would you do with it <laughs> I um question I'd constantly be giving directions and freaking people out <laughs> I would learn how to play piano and just, yeah, again. I was just going to say, play guitar. <laughs> Shredding. Can you do this? Yeah. And there we go. We think he's, he's, he's gone. Yeah. He's not.
she is like Robin Wright Penn is absolutely gorgeous Robin Wright Robin sorry Robin Wright she's absolutely she's beautiful a beautiful woman there's a shortage of perfect breasts in this world could be a pity to damage yours there's a shortage of a perfect breast in the world it would be it would be a pity to damage yours like brilliant lines yeah it's the dialogue this film has got fantastic dialogue like imagine getting this script and just going through it and going like it, it's just it's just a joy well, to well, read like i say the, it was on a list of the best unproduced screenplays for about a decade fuck me oh my lord This is when Inigo Go on, Audrey. You can do it. <laughs> In all fairness, he actually kind of has the hairstyle of an Audrey. They both do. Yep. They both look they should, like they should be in a 60s doo-wop band. Yep. Audrey and Shirley. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bloody... Uh, like you. This is... Do you know what this reminds me of? What? The moment in Terminator 2 when Sarah Connor has got the pump action and she's flicking it. And she's shooting at the, the T-1000. Is it the camera angle? Is that the thing? Is it the No, blocking? it's just the fact that it's like... You're... Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just like this film, okay? I just like it. I get so this is the moment, yeah, so you can see he's freaking out. Christopher Guest right now is, he's got real panic in his eyes because he is really panicking. Do you know he's an actual, um, is it a baron? That's right. He's, he's got some title. Yeah, he's, he inherited it from his father, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Now he's, he's no longer a baron. I think something happened with the... Um, I think they got rid of um, uh, inherited peerages. Yeah, that's exactly. But he certainly was. You're absolutely right in that. Yeah, the House of Lords, and 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 what's his, his wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, is is a baroness. Yeah, isn't that mental? Wesley's mustache is about an inch away from being a Hitler mustache. He wears it well, though. You didn't say it, he certainly you didn't does, like... Might give it a go. It'll take me about six months to grow it, but, like... <laughs> I think I'll, I think I'll get there. I can think, I'll make, I can think I'll, make it, I'll make that trend happen. To the death! No! To the pain. This is your scene, to Kevin. To the death! To the pain! Yeah. Here we go, man. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. I'll explain, and I'll use small words, so I'll be sure, so that, you'll be sure to understand. That's from our opening titles. Wonderful. Wonderful. So this scene was our first best bits pick uh, for a scene. And it is fantastic, Kevin. I think you made a, a very astute pick. Back when our episodes were like 20 minutes long. 20 minutes long. Not an hour and 20 minutes long, thanks to me. <laughs> In that opening uh, pilot episode, it's like, um, <laughs> I go, 
and I chose The Princess Bride and you're like wow that's a fantastic pick I love it and then you pick Fargo and I go wow that's a fantastic pick I love it so next week (laughs) 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 we were so nervous we didn't know what the structure of the show was or even if we could pull it off Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't even know if we were recording That that was how naive we were I know if I was doing it again and if I was advising anyone else well those of you who are listening, if you're thinking about doing a podcast, wait to record your first episode until you have done a handful of others so that the very first episode you put out is the best that you can do up until that point. Because mm-hmm. the first episode is the one that more people will listen to than any other episode. Mm. And you do want it to be your roughest. And if you slightly adjust your format, or if you slightly, or if you just get better. There you go. The it's biggest stunt moment. in this movie is he stands up out of bed. Yeah. And you believe him. And this is the thing. I can tell you, at my age, that is a stunt. <laughs> but do. <laughs> and I love the way Chris Randon then just goes over to the chair. It's brilliant. Like, you have to... You have to... Like, the comedy in this is fantastic. To, it's spectacular. To, it's physical. There's a lot of. Fi- oh God! He just said, "Oh wow!" The physicality of the comedy is so good. It is fantastic. It's spectacular. It's terrific. <laughs> but this is honestly, though, this is a script that is a joy to read. Like if you were just stuck and um, in an office and you're reading scripts all day long, and you come across this one, you just be charmed by it and you just be tickled pink by the, the banter and the the surprises and the twists and turns even if you didn't know about the book and the film and this is very rare with uh, movies in general the film delivers upon the promise of the script when oftentimes films end up being an approximation of what the script intended Mm. And a lot of films just wear their compromises quite nakedly. So when you find a film that can deliver on what was initially intended and top it, those things are so rare. And and it's part of the reason why we want to do the podcast. It's just to celebrate the moments that work. Yeah. And the, the times that films really deliver and just transport you, take you away from your problems or or just give you something to to bond over with somebody else and 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 it's, it happens. it's a it's a miracle when a film gets made and it's good there we go and it's he's good. not on that horse <laughs> no way man and I, I wanted to call back the moment when she when she falls over when she jumps out the window that the music of her kind of floating down it's amazing, it really is. And there we go, the classic. The kiss. kiss. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest of all kisses. Yeah. yeah this yeah, is yeah. so sweet, because it's that. a granddad coming over, and he's telling his grandson, in so many words, a love story, but he's mm-hmm. hiding it behind all this adventure. Mm-hmm. And he's just instilling that this is what makes life and makes these stories work. It's love, true love. So, son, when you find Winnie Cooper out there, this, so this is the this is the moment that inspired Fred Savage to go and uh, Fred Arnold 
or no, Kevin Arnold's to go and um, <laughs> pursue Winnie Cooper in the <laughs> when he gets and out of this there. is this is the only moment in the film that was reshot and was shot in the US. It wasn't shot in England. Oh. And it was a pickup because the original ending was that the kid follows his granddad outside the house and he looks up and he sees the four guys on the horses. <gasps> You're lying. Oh, no, that was the original ending and they went back and they shot it to have Peter Falk basically tell his grandson, I love you. And that honestly makes the hairs on my arms stand up. It is it's so, so beautiful. It is so, so, and it's the last line of the film, as you wish. And honestly, it's a granddad telling his grandson, I love you. Um, mm. And in a way that his son... Oh, his grandson just relates. It's beautiful. The sharing of... The joy of sharing a story. This is as we go over the credits. It's got an end credit sequence. Yeah, but what I want to say is like, it's the gift of being able to share a story is a precious thing. It's something that truly binds us as human beings. But the gift of a a paternal figure to 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 a child, that act... Not just being told a story through a film, but the act of physically, like reading your kids a bedtime story, is a really lovely, amazing, and uh, a beautiful thing that will that stays with them. And um, it's a well, look at us. We're we're still watching this film thirty four years later. Uh, I know my kids love it. Shush. <laughs> but it's just a. Uh, and we're bonding over watching this film, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's pop-up. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great film. And I, again, this is something like... We talked about end credits and stuff like that as well, and post-credits. I love this callback of seeing seeing the characters. And it's it's like the... It's again, like a sitcom. The, well, yeah, I suppose there's a sitcom kind of... Yeah, there's a sitcom. But I just... Yeah, it's there's that lovely sense of saying farewell... Mark Knopfler, mm-hmm. the guy who did the music, also did the local hero music. Um, uh, but there's that sense of like, ah, oh, there's we're all going to say goodbye to our like cast of characters, and um, oh, I love. And this also has one of those pop songs, to one of those um, tie-in pop songs. Yeah. What is it? Only Stallion. They wrote away. What's the name of the song? I can't remember. I wonder if that was back in the USSR. <laughs> That's what's on my DVD. <laughs> I knew you got a weird rip or whatever you got, Kevin. And now Tony Fenton is like telling me what's going up next. <laughs> in actual fact, yeah, no, mine has just gone into an ad for Tesco or no Super Quinn, <laughs> Quinsworth. Oh no, oh my it's, God, Quinsworth is dead. <laughs> we couldn't get more esoteric. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 it's just the, the, the tracking's all gone, it's all fuzzy. And I nearly it's spat up my tan ore, though. Tan ore is like a, a cork drink. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I wrote. I can't think of any worse. Uh, listen, oh yeah, no, there's an ad here for Lennox's uh, fish and chip shot. Um, no, there's not. No, there's not. <laughs> Lennox, Lennox is still going. Did you ever? You obviously had fish and chips for Lennox's in Cork. When I could afford to eat, yes. Oh, all right, okay. 
Uh, oh, there we go. Second unit, Ireland. There we go. So, okay. Ray so Andrew, Ireland directed Harris, the second unit. Da, 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 da. So none of the cast or none of the directors came over. It was just the second unit shot that those few shots up the side of Cliffsmore. So yeah. So that's why they said that's why in the the documentary it says, Oh, we we've got everything here in England and they said, We've got cliffs and I went, hang on a second. The song is Storybook Love, written and sung by Willie Deville. Willie Deville. It's a good song then. Read the Del Rey book. Mm-hmm. Okay. What Special a thanks run. to Alan Horn. What a run of films Rob Reiner had. My God, like and and oh, we we usually get these timings all wrong, but listen, that's the end of the commentary. Commentary. What am I saying? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week with another fantastic, all the best bits. Yay! Thanks for listening. <laughs> Take care. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day, and uh, she Your said, "Corn, uh, my corns." Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? I, I, I wear no it's the opposite GA shorts it's the opposite I wear incredibly tight shoes like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound who had their feet bound like you know before the turn of this yeah. last century and so they had incredible corns and bunions this is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted <laughs> Squally it's episode 73 of the mini bits <laughs> I'm Kevin your will this is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes. Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> cancel. You don't des- Everybody cancel. <laughs> you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> it's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't say it on mic. 
especially sorely. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I how do you think I did? I I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once, so I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They are they were profiled in the Guardian as well. Yeah. But we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um uh listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're 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 before an OG. Bust. You're an OG listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Goes I, my Prince Albert. Uh, <laughs> your hat? <laughs> yeah. I want Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know. Wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Very okay. Okay, I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure, it Jeez. doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker Two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore, get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where where are they going to show up? And like, you know... It's a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is in its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff oh oh, this is the thing insane. Kevin so <laughs> I'm only catching up on this you mentioned it to me on a on a, pod, on a podcast was it on one of those uh, it was the last show? 
It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. S- you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people under score are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was okay. like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just they're morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a mm. lot. Where has where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. It's like the I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I found myself writing the word compliment. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you it's a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I have the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Oh, Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.